Oh, product innovators. Today we learn from the number one audio agency in the country on how to sell your new hardware product using audio advertising. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Stu Redwine to the show. Stu is the Vice President of Creative Services at Oxford Road, one of the leading audio advertising agencies in the world. They ran the audio ads behind unicorn physical product success stories such as Quip Toothbrushes, Theragun, Tommy John, and many more. Today, Sue is going to share some valuable knowledge for inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on what audio platforms are out there to advertise your product on, how to get started in an audio advertising space for hardware products, and how to make a great audio ad to make your product invention the next big success. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Stu, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Well, appreciate being on the show today to talk about audio. We haven't talked about audio before, and it's not the first thing that comes to mind when you think about selling a new hardware product or scaling up a product. But this is something that's going on for a hundred years. So it's something that also could be an amazing platform for folks to look into whether they're launching a product or scaling a product. And now you represent one of the biggest firms, if not the biggest firm in the world, the biggest agency in the world for audio. You've been in this game a long time and you know all kinds of things about how hardware products get to market and then really expand their reach via audio. So before we jump into all of that today, just give us a background. How'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you for uh, the kind words about Oxford Road. Yeah, we like to say we're the number one independent audio agency, but I'll take number one in the world. Number one of all time. And how I got to here, you know, it's funny. I look back over the trajectory of my career and about 20 years ago, I was moving around lights and stands as a grip electric. It's moved. Those two positions are combined back where I'm from in Kansas City on direct response television commercials. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was like I was already getting steep in direct response. And I kept working in that vein. I like working with my hands. I like doing stuff physical. But there was this moment where I looked around And I saw that the folks that were twice my age that were in the grip and electric department were still moving the same heavy objects I was moving. I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to have to be moving this stuff around for the next 20 years. What's everybody else doing on set? And I saw the people in the agency are on their keyboards. I'm like, well, that doesn't look half bad, but I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Well, the producer, okay, well, the producer's also working with their fingers on a keyboard. Maybe I'll go over that way. So I started producing. I'm very grateful. It just set out to do that. And I started to do that. And the jobs got bigger and it it was awesome. We made a significant decision about 10 years ago, my wife and I, to either move to Los Angeles and start chasing bigger work or to stay in the Midwest. I've always been a maker. I've always liked creating all kinds of stuff. Oxford Road had just started out around that exact same time. I was working in the same WeWork as them. And I started freelancing with them and it just got to a point where it was a really good fit. I was getting to make creative stuff. I've always liked audio. And I made that decision point of going like, okay, do I keep doing stuff on my own or do I go and work at Oxford Road? And now here I am full-time seven years later and that's made all the difference. So that's the story in a nutshell. 
Kevin. Join the best, right? And uh, what an incredible experience. And I'm really excited for you to bring that experience to our listeners here today. So starting big picture at the top of the funnel here, what are audio ads specifically for hardware products? How does it work and what is the definition? Then we'll get into more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are audio ads for hardware products? I think they're the same as audio ads across the board, which from the very beginning, you know, it's funny on August 28th, 2022. So here in just a couple of weeks from the time we're recording, this is the hundred year anniversary of the first paid radio ad. That was on August 28th, 1922. And it was Hawthorne Court Apartments. And it was a 10 minute radio ad where they were talking about and painting the picture in the theater of the mind of their apartment complex. And I think that that's where audio ads live. They are either informative or entertaining way to engage a person in a very intimate way in the theater of their own mind to conceptualize. So in the case of products, what this product is, how it is helping me solve a problem or present an opportunity for something that is really important to me in language that I would use and doing it all, like I said, in this, I just think it's so dynamic. We are in audio, you are engaging people's imagination. So audio ads are a way to help people perceive in their own head what it is that your product or service does and either call them directly to action, which is the space that I work in, is in performance marketing, or cause them to feel so fondly um, about your product or service that when the need arises, they're going to think of you first. This is what's so unique about audio. It's got this different lever that you can pull to really capture the imagination. I think of the concept around cartoons, The Simpsons as an example. Theories came to light that the reason The Simpsons was so popular visually is because the basics of the actual design allowed people to somewhat form their own kind of personalized interpretation of what they see. And this is exactly what we're talking about with audio. So this gives us a very unique ability to present a product, either a solution that you're solving or a pain point that you're helping somebody with and really help them feel it in a different way than all the different types of visual ads that are out there as well. There's no question. I think that then naturally the most powerful form of audio advertising, and this goes back to that first ad 100 years ago, is one person talking to another person. And we've seen that time and time again with the Hawthorne Court Apartments read, that ad read that was 10 minutes long that they paid $50 for. That was a representative of the company talking about the Hawthorne Court Apartments. I think that's another thing that you're able to get in audio is when you have one human being talking to another human being testifying about this product or service, I use this and you should use it too, or as a representative of the company yourself, expressing to the individual who is listening in a very intimate medium why this product or service matters to them, to something that in their own language is something that is significant and important to them. Let's talk about how this works. You guys have worked with a ton of different hardware products. Everybody probably knows Quip toothbrushes at this mm -hmm. point in time. You've got Thermogun, you've got underwear products, bed sheets, et cetera. So talk about some of these products and how these scaling product companies are using audio ads to either launch their product to sell or to scale their product up. Yeah. At Oxford Road, we've, from the very beginning, have been a part of several companies that have been able to scale to be unicorns. And a lot of them, like you said, the bunch of different product companies, like you mentioned, the Quip Electric Toothbrush, 
We were part of Bull and Branch Sheets, Tommy John Underwear, the Theragun, um, Billy Razors. When they're coming into offline, so let's say they're talking about audio, it's we've done what we can do on Facebook. We've done what we can do on Google. Where are there other worlds that we can conquer? So let's go offline. Let's go into audio. I think the real key thing is that even if you're big time in some of these other channels, a lot of times when it comes to audio and it goes to radio, podcast, Sirius XM and people's cars, they haven't heard about you. Maybe they've got some association to you, but they probably haven't heard about you for a lot of these companies, especially when they were starting out. So it's really important is to go, okay, how can I boil this message down to make it as clear as possible? about what I'm talking about and how can I find that one thing about your value prop or about um, that makes you different, your positioning against the other products that are out there to be able to make it very clear to people, okay, this is what this brand is about. So I think about Bull and Branch Sheets. I'm grateful we were part of their story for a number of years. The copy that we generated with them was that they had presidents, United States presidents that used Bull and Branch Sheets. And so on Sirius XM and in other audio channels, the message that we put out there and in radio, terrestrial radio, was Bull and Branch Sheets loved by three U.S. presidents. And that was the line that we heard back the most from customers and from the marketplace was like, oh, yeah, that's the president sheets, right? <laughs> so it was this very short way to establish like these must be really high quality sheets. So what you want to do is boil your message down. And we have a framework for how we do that to make it as clear as possible. And then don't deviate from it because what you're doing is like in audio, you're checking like, is this thing on? Is this thing on? You want to see what the value of all these different media properties are. So it's really important to keep your message as crisp, clear, and clever as possible and consistent over time to discover what everything's worth. And then you can start pulling levers and start to test and experiment. But when you're first coming into audio with our product, I think it's about boil the message down, be really, really clear about what makes you different, what makes you special. Why would somebody part with their money for you against anybody else? And then blast that message out and repeat it over time. And I think it's easier to get that message out than ever before now. That was one of the daunting things, especially in the hardware startup world, is that people thought, okay, well, it's a big deal to have a national radio campaign or something right. like this. But the reality is you could start extremely small. You can start testing and running these ads or running different types of ads over time or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be big anymore because of the advent of the internet. And of course, podcasts, one of the main mediums there. Can you talk a bit about how people can access these different spaces and then Further down in the episode, I want to talk about your actual process for making great ads. You've obviously touched on some here, but let's first talk about how accessible those mediums are and then how to really conquer those mediums for either an early stage hardware startup or somebody that's trying to expand their advertising game via audio. You know, keeping it about podcasts, like you said, it's such an exciting space and it continues to grow. And just look at, I mean, your show, for instance, right? Like there's an audience out here for people that are in the product space who are designing these sorts of things. And it's gotten to a place now where it's so large and you can slice, slice these audiences thinner and thinner, which is great. There's a couple different platforms where it's self-serve. Somebody could go immediately, somebody listening to this program that's got, I don't know, a better coffee mug or whatever it is. Podcorn, which is an Odyssey company, that would be one that's self-serve that they can go to immediately or Gumball. And they also offer uh, host red ads. Those are a couple where you can go, you can transact and you can start to see, is this channel working for me? I just think it's really, really important. And I know we're going to talk about this to really dial in your message first and make sure your message is 
every word counts and it's as clear as possible and you don't want to change it a bunch. Kind of the next level up, uh, Heather Osgood at True Native Media. Um, she is awesome. That's where you're going to get more of a concierge experience and advertise cast would be another one as well. And then like the next level up from that would be working directly with a network. So let's say Acast. If you're to do that, you're going to be working with them to put together packages with all of their publishers. And then at that same level, that's where I see Oxford Road, uh, the agency where I'm vice president of creative services, uh, could come in and help put together a package where it's across different channels, across different networks, based on the hundreds of millions of dollars of performance data that we have to go, okay, where's the best opportunity for you to advertise this based on all of the performance that we've seen across a ton of different advertisers and a, a lot of different media. I appreciate that you break it down into the starter, the somewhere in the middle, and then the advanced level there so that we can kind of paint the picture for the audience. If you're going to try the audio road, please just start small. Yes. Start with your MVP. And then as you're starting to find some success, then you can scale from there. And I really appreciate you painting the picture of how that kind of grows and then how Oxford fits into that whole picture at the end of the day. So let's talk about that ad. If we are going to try one of these platforms, even if it's a serve yourself platform, we want to try putting a few ads out there or our first ad out there on radio specifically. What makes for a great ad? What is something that we could arguably learn from this episode to potentially even do at home or with a small time producer so that we can at least get our first attempt at baking a radio ad to wherever the audio message is going based on your experience from really what captures that type of audience to convert them into a buying customer of your hardware product? Yeah, absolutely. We've got an approach at Oxford Road that we take that breaks up a persuasive message into nine key components. Beyond that, it breaks it up even further into 71 subcomponents, which can be like, ah, like that's overkill. <laughs> I've been working with our founder from before the beginning to Oxford Road, like I said, as a contractor on this model, on this approach. And I mean, it's based on John Cable's work, you know, the ADA model, AIDA, and looking at Aristotle's. So I got Aristotle's rhetoric right here, handy hand prop, you know, pathos, ethos, logos. He's the one that said that a person is not fully persuaded until they consider a thing demonstrated. Looking at Les Bonet's work and how brands grow with Byron Sharp, all of these things to go, okay, how do we call a person to action? And what we've determined is that there are nine key components. Eight of them are sequential. The last one is how you say it. That's really crucial because a lot of times that can get put in front of your message where you go like, how are we going to say this? Like, how are we going to dress it up? It's like, no, 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 no. Forget about that. Let's figure out first what we're going to say. All right. And how it logically makes sense. And so we've got nine key components. Like I said, the, the last one is how you say it, execution, but it's your setup. How am I going to get their attention? Your value prop. What am I offering? Positioning. Why is it better than everything that's out there? Demonstration. Hey, let me show you how this thing works. Or in audio, let me paint a picture in the theater of the mind. Substantiation. Why should I trust you? Again, in audio, intimate medium where, you, where a host can say, I use this and you should too great substantiation. It's also good to have any other reasons to believe that you can have in there that are meaningful and then offer scarcity path. And it's easy to combine all of those. You can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The call to action is the CTA, but it's like, okay, 
let's really break it down into component pieces. What's the offer? And that doesn't just have to be 20% off or a dollar amount off. It can be your guarantee. It can be, you know, anybody that watched Mad Men is familiar with them talking about how their tobacco is toasted. You know, everybody else's tobacco is poisonous. Our tobacco is toasted. So what is it that's special about your product? Scarcity. Why should somebody get it now? Now, if it is a special offer, then it's going to have some deadline attached to it, but it also can be compounding pain or a loss of opportunity. And then path. This one's also super critical. Make it really, really easy for them to engage with you. You've got to give them a very clear way and a very clear place to go to be able to get that product, whatever that great product is. And then the last piece is execution, which to sum it up nicely into one phrase, especially for audio, it would be make every word count. Like I can remember when we started out, we would send hosts piles of paper, right? Well, I got to tell them all the different ways that this toothbrush is better. And I have an addendum of this, that, and the other, and 16 different things that makes it special. And it vibrates at this you know, level and blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, man, you, I mean, you know, you're behind a mic right now. It's like, can we get it down onto one clean sheet of paper? My setup, my value prop, my positioning, my demonstration, substantiation, offer scarcity path, roughly eight bullet points. And then that last one, make every word count that are every word is working as absolutely hard as you can. You hand that to a host, they know what to do. Like hosts can now do their thing. They're your sales force, but you've got to equip them with as much clarity as possible for your sales message. And there's an article that I wrote on this. You could link in the show notes that breaks it all down. It lays it all out of what those nine key components are. I'll put those in the that link in the show notes so that uh, if anyone's there sh- panicking, scrambling, trying to write down these nine things, uh, don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah. Just click through the episode link uh, later on and you can go see those nine specific things that make a great ad. And based on everything that you said, Stu, it seems like it's something that at least at a starter, you could try at home to put your first version of these nine bullet points together on that half a page that you're trying to determine. I think this is very useful for a product in any case. On a lot of different episodes, we talk about MVP, own your niche, be very specific, don't feature creep, start with your high quality, but very simplified version of your value add or your invention benefit or whatever else it is. And we've had a number of people mention how valuable that is, not just for the product development, obviously cheaper, faster, quicker to market, all that sort of stuff. But the other side is the marketing. When you have a simple, clear to understand value proposition, it's much easier to sell that one or two key features. And I think that's what comes back to that very small set of documents where you can nail down your nine things into just a half a page, put them together under your first ad and make sure that you, once you've written that ad, every single word counts towards this primary goal without adding a whole bunch of feature creep, without adding a whole bunch of filler. No question. And if you're thinking about dabbling in audio, you know, another thing to do is by reducing it down, like you're saying, like, know your value prop, have that dialed in. When you're wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. That's our our setup for Tommy John. That's our, our value prop for Tommy John. Our positioning is four times the stretch of competing brands and a number of other things as well. It's loved by 17 million people now. I think I've got that right. But if you have all of those dialed in, you don't have to stress too much about like being clever for the setup. Because again, I just want to stress for audio, especially if you're doing host-read ads, the hosts bring that to the table. You know, We've done a bunch of work and studies just recently this year, a huge one 
on you know what is the proper level of customization. So we definitely have thoughts on that. But to your point about MVP, I would say in the space, you know, just reduce, 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 make it as clear and concise as possible. And then let's say you do have to do a produce spot. When you look into your other channels, whatever headline, whatever about 25 word or something like that phrase that you've used in other channels, if that's a good hook that works, you can just as easily apply that into audio. I was just cracking open infomercial marketing by Timothy Hawthorne from Hawthorne Direct. And that looks like it's was- a few years old. It is. It's a signed copy too, which just happened by mistake. It's I, amazing how so much of that is still super relevant today, right? Oh, it is. And he's talking about breaking stuff into seven second sound bites. So what I'm saying is if, if you use Audiolytics to dial everything in, if the last kind of piece is what's my hook or how do I make it interesting? How do I punch through at the beginning? And you're feeling challenged. What I'm trying to address is a potential challenge like a product maker that's listening to this might have and go, I'm not a writer, is I would look at what have you seen work in other channels and cross apply that over into your audio ad. And if all else fails and you still feel like, well, it's not very clever, it's not clever enough, it never hurts just to be clear. I want to tell you about X, the best new Y. What's the best length for a podcast advertisement? Or are there different types and different lengths that you'd recommend? Just set some high level ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the time you're looking at 60, 30 seconds. I would recommend for a 60 second ad, if you can discipline yourself, it's hard. 150, 160 words. And that's a challenge. But I know for your audience, I imagine I'm talking to you know individuals who could actually exercise some control over it. The problem is sometimes when you've got, you're working with a lot of marketing teams and creative teams and more people are involved, that translates to pumping up the word count. In general, the idea is like 180 words for 60 seconds. But like I'm saying, if you go through the bullet points of Audiolytics, I would then go, okay, how can I get this down to 150, 160 words, because then you really are setting up the host to be able to ad lib more because they don't feel like there's a ton of copy on that page. I remember uh, hearing about a speaking engagement tip that people will really only take away three key points from any talk, no matter what the length. So it really comes back to no matter how much filler you're going to put into this ad, they're only really going to hit your maybe two, three, possibly four value props or whatever it is that you've got in that audio ad before they've either lost interest or any other number of reasons why it's really just not effective. So there's no real purpose in trying to cram everything in, but I know it's difficult when you've got an invention idea and you're really trying to sell it for the first time, you've put a year plus of time into just the hardcore design, engineering, prototyping, all that sort of stuff. You're really proud of what you've accomplished. And there's a lot of major accomplishments in there. Sometimes it's hard to figure out, well, what is the you know number one accomplishment here? Because you've got, yes, your one core feature, but you've also got all these other amazing things that you've done in, in the path of both building the product and building the business around the product. So it can be difficult, but keep it simple, keep it clean. It also allows you to better analyze the ad, right? The more clear your message, the simpler the message, the easier it is to A-B test two very distinct but different messages and see really which one's performing to do the action item that you were intending for on that ad audio. That's a great point. You know, never use two words when one will do. And the more clear it is and more concise it is, you've got a better view of performance. And just thinking about it, I mean, you know, setup is you're getting their attention. So you've essentially got a value prop, the three things, value prop, positioning yourself, and why should I trust you? 
and then make an offer that's going to interest them. Like, why should they go out of their way? I think that's actually another really critical thing is that if you're testing into the channel, so if you're the listeners are going to do this and whether they're self-serving or they come and want to work with Oxford Road to do it, you want to advocate on the part of yourself as as the advertiser to go, just think about it, right? You you guys, you're, you're a product designer, engineers and stuff like that. If I'm testing this channel for three months, it's best that I make the audience aware of the window of time I'm looking at to see if it's successful. So that actually then causes you to go, oh, I do want to have a special offer that has an end date because I'm going to stop looking at this and I'm going to assess whether it worked or not. So we want to be able to call them to take action before we turn the thing off and stop looking at it. That's another great case to go, can I make some kind of offer for them that goes, I know my media is going to stop on October, whatever, 31st. My media is going to stop on October 31st. Do they know that? Do they know that that's the last chance for them to engage with me or else I'm going to determine that this channel was no good? And then when it comes to podcast consumption, we've looked at this a lot as well. Most of the consumption happens at the very beginning. So theoretically, there can be this issue of going like, well, you know, when do people listen to the show? Is it is it going to have a super long tail? There is a tail, but most of the consumption happens around the episode drop and especially, you know, intuitively, if it's tied to any kind of, you know, if it's news or it's something that's tied to pop culture of things happening that week, of course, that's going to get consumed right away. But even like your show, what we've seen is that the majority of the downloads are going to happen within a week of you dropping the episode. Stu, these are some great insights. If a startup or a manufacturer or wholesaler is looking to actually scale up their business or really launch and hit hard, you guys obviously do this audio management as an agency at a bigger level, at a more sophisticated level with multi-channel planning and all that sort of stuff. How do folks reach out to you? Any other notes that you want to mention about Oxford Road? And uh, then I'll let you go. Thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah, they can go to oxfordroad.com. First thing it does is prompt you as soon as you get there. I recommend signing up for our weekly uh, newsletter, The Influencer. We've also got a podcast that is released every week or every other week. Those are two great ways to engage with us right away to kind of take a look and see what we're all about. But if you go to oxfordroad.com, just like the street, that's the best way to engage with us. And I think that any other final thoughts, I would say, like we talked about, I think taking a look at this approach, the audiolytics approach to structuring your message and keeping it simple, it doesn't have to be something that is overly complex. It is a very straightforward way to to put your message together. And I think that the key piece of it is that you want to make sure that it's clear to you and that you're making every word count. And if you do that and you boil your message down to make it as concise as possible, particularly if you're putting it in the hands of hosts to do live reads so they can say, I use this and you should too, you're going to be set up for success in the audio space. Great way to close it off. Thanks again, Stu, for all your words of wisdom, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over 
to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.